This year, 2022, marks 50 years since the federal civil rights law Title IX went into effect. Part of the educational amendments of 1972, Title IX is intended to prohibit sex-based discrimination in any school or any other education program that receives funding from the federal government. But five decades on, is it working? Hello, I'm Chris Lay, the podcast operations manager for Lee Enterprises. In this episode of Behind the Headlines, our host Terry Barr is talking with Henry Cordes, a senior enterprise reporter with the Omaha World Herald in Omaha, Nebraska. Henry has been digging into the most recent federal data, specifically as it pertains to Division I colleges across the country, looking for those athletic department numbers showing parity under the Title IX law. What he found might surprise you and could land some schools in court if changes aren't put in place and soon. We'll have links to Henry's articles for the Omaha World Herald in the show notes. And as always, if you appreciate what we're doing with this program, we encourage you to invest in local journalism and support whichever newspaper it is that serves your community. And now here's Terry Barr with Henry Cordes. Thank you, Chris. And Henry and I are going to be talking about Title IX, as you mentioned. Now, Henry, thanks for being here. You recently analyzed federal data of Division I schools, and you were kind of looking for that parity under the Title IX law. Okay, so what did you find, Henry? Well, I found is that the vast majority of schools could very well not be complying uh, with Title IX. I looked at all 350 uh, roughly uh, Division I schools, and really only a handful, uh, uh, about 50, it was about 86%, have women's athletic participation that in effect matches their women's enrollment. Now, Title IX is complicated. There are several ways that schools can comply, but the easiest way, not the easiest way, but the most sure way they can comply is to match their enrollment and participation. So if your university is 55% 55% women, 55% of your athletes should be women. If you're 49% women, which is what the University of Nebraska is, then 49% of your women athletes uh, athletes should be women. And very, very, very few schools meet that standard. Now, does that mean all these schools are out of compliance with Title IX? Most women's advocates would say yes. Uh-huh. There, there are two other tests that schools can pass to meet Title IX, and they are a uh, much more murky than the straight mathematical standard that is really the pinnacle of Title IX. And it's really unclear whether these schools are, most of them are likely claiming to meet one of those standards since they aren't clearly aren't not meeting the numerical standard. But I can tell you at the University of Nebraska, which has a new athletic director who just came in a year ago, he saw those numbers and he was very concerned. And they are now doing a Title IX review to see if they are even in compliance with the law. And his his overall goal is we will be in compliance. I mean, we will do what we need to do to be compliant. So he even he is questioning whether whether they're meeting the Title IX standard. Henry, that is amazing because I think every reporter hopes, especially on something like this, when you dig into the numbers and the numbers are real, I mean, you can't make that stuff up. So you probably hope that you can make some kind of a difference. And I know you you really came into this Title IX um, story and, and several stories you did because of the 50-year anniversary of it uh, being law. 
what were people surprised that first of all it's 50 years old and you know people you're talking to like that athletic di- director in Nebraska surprised to know that it's 50 years old and yet we're not equal right yeah in fact as the world herald we've been doing a really extensive series on title nine and it's and it's been very illuminating to look at that history and to just see how limited opportunities were for women 50 years ago, the University of Nebraska did not have a single women's sports team when Title IX passed. And, That's and incredible. That and, yeah, and they weren't alone, but they were certainly behind the times. By then, many schools, including a number in Nebraska, had already taken the step of starting women's sports team, but but Nebraska had not. But yeah, the, the 50th anniversary is really a good opportunity uh, to take a look back. And 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 when you do, most people see the progress. Um, I mean, there's no question opportunity for women uh, has has been huge. And um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're there yet. And 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 these numbers would largely suggest that perhaps we are not. So I guess, boy, do I even want to say this? If you look at you know, this is supposed to bar discrimination in athletics with the equal men and women as we're talking about student athletes. So if you look at those numbers, though, would you say it, it almost isn't working then? And, and let me share these numbers that you had in your story. To be equal, you wrote 35,000 more women would have to be included in athletics across the country And then since we've been talking about Nebraska, obviously, you would need 59 more women athletes. So when you look at the, I mean, to me, those are big numbers here. Exactly. Well, it's on a school by school basis, really. Yeah. I would argue, I certainly wouldn't argue it's not working. I mean, look at where we were coming from when Title IX was passed. When it was passed, there were about 30,000 women's athletes nationally and 170,000 men's athletes. I, I can't remember the exact numbers now, but we are much, much closer to parity. And there are schools that have reached parity at the uh, the two other major Division One universities in Nebraska, which are Creighton University and the University of Nebraska at Omaha. They've reached parity and wow. they never would have done that were it not for Title IX. So you, you you can't say it hasn't worked. You can't say it it isn't working. Right. It's led to tremendous, tremendous gains at almost every school nationally. But that doesn't mean that there is it's still work to do. And it'll be very interesting to see how things progress. I mean, see, the issue with Title IX is there is no policeman. And despite what these <laughs> numbers say, no, no you know, um, that doesn't, there's no one out there saying, hey, University of um, Iowa, you're, you show a, a, a 5% gap between your uh, enrollment and, and your athletic participation. You have to right. fix that. It's a complaint-driven system. Uh, it, something only happens if somebody f- goes to court and files suit or files a, a complaint with the U.S. Department of Education. Well, at Iowa, that happened. At Iowa, in the last two years, that happened. And guess what? I was reinstating a women's swim program that they cut and they're starting a women's wrestling program uh, because that, that, that lawsuit led to scrutiny and it became clear to the people at Iowa Mm -hmm. that they were not in compliant and they were going to have to do something about it. So with all these schools, these 86% of schools that don't meet the standard, um, the only way 
that will ever find out whether they legally do so is if someone actually turns around and files a complaint, which is exactly what the University of Nebraska's athletic director is trying to avoid, which is why he's he's conducting this review. How about that? Or a reporter like you does a great story and opens everybody's <laughs> yeah. eyes to it, too. Yeah, well, who knows? I mean, maybe we the, 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 the 50th anniversary could you know, provide that kind of scrutiny and, and uh, maybe people will uh, start to look at these schools. I wasn't the only one that uh, attempted an analysis like this, the, the women's sports foundation, they did, they came out with a report, their data was somewhat different. They used the previous year's data. Um, Uh I used the latest data, but their report came to largely the same conclusions I did. Some other media have been picking on it picking up on it. So we'll, we'll have to see if, um, uh, if, if the scrutiny that tied to the 50th anniversary uh, ultimately leads to some change. Well, this could have implications, as you mentioned, you know, using Iowa as the example, um, Nebraska obviously trying to stay ahead of the game. Um, what do you think would have to happen for this to be equal if you do another story down the road at some point and find it still isn't but what could schools do how could they be proactive or what did you find needs to happen well it it is a school by school thing so every school is going to have to i mean take care of their own business like i said there's two other legal tests maybe they can they they feel they can make a strong legal argument that they meet these tests i mean the other two prongs by which schools have have met the standard and you only need to meet one of the three is if you can be proportional which is the numbers we're talking about right. you can show a continued improvement and um, a continued move towards parity well so it becomes a little bit hard to argue that because very few women's teams have been started around the country in recent years there was a mm-hmm. flurry of them when title IX first passed but, you know, for example, the University of Nebraska really hasn't added uh, any sports team from a decade or more on the women's mm. side. So it becomes harder to argue. It's an argument. It would have to be something they argue in court if it ever got to a challenge. It, 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 a lot of people would say it would become pretty hard to make that argument. The second one is even murkier. I mean, it's basically, oh. well, we're meeting all the interest and ability that there is for women athletes. Um, Mm. And so they, they can make that argument that they do. Um, But, but a lot of the women's advocates will say that one is come becomes a little hard to argue too, because these schools like the University of Nebraska, the big time programs, the division one programs that these 350 schools we're talking about, they recruit nationally. I mean, yeah. and so you're saying there are no athletes anywhere in the country that are interested, have the interest and ability to participate in the sport. So there are questions whether that standard can be met too, even wow. if some schools will feel like that they are complying with that. And what women's sports advocates would say is, you've had 50 years. Why are we even <laughs> right. still talking? Why are we even still talking about this? So yeah. So um It's definitely kind of, it will be fascinating to see how this proceeds. Absolutely. So yeah, this is going to be a continuing issue. What did um, readers or anybody else that you've talked to, what was the response to your stories? Yeah, I got a lot of positive feedback. I heard from uh, women's 
sports organizations. In my article, I had highlighted the Big Ten because Nebraska is a member of the Big Ten. I highlighted that, you know, most Big Ten schools were not in compliance, arguably maybe three of the 14 are. And I had one women's sports advocacy group kind of send me a letter that a copy of a letter they had sent to the commissioner of the Big Ten citing similar figures, you know, after they, they had done their own, own analysis. So, and, and I got a lot of other uh, positive feedback um, from Title IX, you know, advocates yeah. uh, and, and general readers too. What I was really surprised by was the lack of push, any kind of pushback I got from Title IX critics. I, I, I got virtually none. I, maybe there was one tweet, but I can't really huh. even... That one I'm I, I'm not even uh, t- totally uh, remembering uh, because in the past, whenever I've written Title IX stories, you tend to get a lot of pushback. But the story and the numbers pretty much spoke for themselves. Yeah. Number one, and then number two, I think at the University of Nebraska, I think people that they look at Title IX and they see the benefit of it. They've seen, I mean, this past year, the football team had a horrible record. The men's basketball team had a horrible record. Uh, the men's baseball team had a horrible record. Oh dear. And the, and the, 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 the softball team won the big 10, right. The, right. The, the basketball team went to the NCAA tournament and the volleyball team were national runner-ups. I mean, thank goodness for title nine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, so maybe, oh. maybe that's why I didn't get, get as much pushback. For people listening to this, what would you tell people about why this matters? Why should people care about this? Well, number one, it's the law. I mean, it's a law that was passed by Congress 50 years ago at a time when women were just being, there's no question about it, they were being discriminated against when it came to athletics, but more than athletics in, in all areas of education. We've seen tremendous progress, but that doesn't mean there isn't more to go. So what do you do next with this story? I'm not sure. I don't have plans for an immediate follow-up, but I will definitely continue to follow it. I know there's, I've been getting, um, one of the other big 10 schools, Michigan State right now is involved in Title IX litigation. And one of the litigants has been contacting me about my story and and and, and pointing out what's going on there. So I, I think my plan is to just monitor um, see what is happening in, I mean, that Michigan State case could be huge because if uh, that Michigan State has basically decided to take that one to court, if they go to court and lose, that is going to be a shot over the bow to every university in the country that um, is, uh, that is not in compliance with the numbers, which as my story shows, it's most of the schools in the country. We will uh, keep watching this as well. And down the road, hopefully, Henry, we can talk with you again about this and see some uh, more equal numbers there. But thank you so much for digging into this. You know, we always say the numbers are real. And for you to go ahead and just dig in and share those and kind of open some eyes and uh, some thoughtfulness that that just means so much in the world. So thank you, Henry, for your incredible efforts. You bet. Based on Henry's reporting, as you heard, a staggering 35,000 additional female athletes are needed to close the gap for Division I colleges nationwide to comply with Title IX. 
reader response continues to roll in just as the sports seasons are getting underway at schools across the country. So make sure to check out the links to Henry's reporting on Title IX that we've got in the show notes ahead of your alma mater's team taking the field, the court, the the diamond, the pitch, you know, wherever. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Headlines. The show is produced and recorded by Terry Barr and edited by me, Chris Lay. We're out there on every podcast platform imaginable, so we'd love it if you'd take a moment to subscribe and give us a review wherever it is that you happen to get your shows. And as always, if you appreciate what we're doing with this program, we encourage you to invest in local journalism and support whichever newspaper serves your community. I'm Chris Lay, and for Terry Barr and myself, thank you so much for listening to our Behind the Headlines podcast from Lee Enterprises. <laughs> Go women! <laughs>